Welcome to How to Live with the Rich, a limited series podcast about how the middle class can actually, practically, and biblically help the poor. I am your host, Beck Isaacson, and welcome to the show. everyone and welcome back to How to Live with the Rich. I am so happy that you are here for today's episode which is part three of our What to Do About It series and today we are going to be talking all about money and specifically how to set up our finances within the concept of a rule of life which I talked about in great detail last week and so if you have not listened to it I highly encourage you to do so First, because without that context, you will probably have no idea what I am talking about. And speaking of me talking, I just want to thank you guys again so much for being here and for listening and for subscribing and rating and reviewing and sharing and just being here on the journey with me. It truly means so, so much. And so for continuity's sake, let's kick off today's episode the same way that I kick off every single episode, and that is with a segment called Tiny Happy Things, where I talk about something tiny that makes me happy. And today, that is a good vacuum. And yes, I realize that this is indisputable proof that I am over the age of 30, that a vacuum makes me happy. But you guys, they they do. I don't know what it is. But it feels like to me that at least 50% of vacuums in the world, at least in my world, are terrible. They don't do the one thing that they are designed to do. But when you find one that works and works really well, that you can see in real time the fruits of your labor as all the dust and crap and crud and bobby pins, in my case, are being lifted up before your very eyes, And then you get to tip all of that out into the bin. Oh my goodness, the satisfaction and happiness that that brings me is real and kind of unparalleled. I don't think I have ever spent more than $100 on a vacuum, which is probably my problem in the first place. But does anybody else in the world relate to the pure delight that comes with a good vacuuming experience? And not just the vacuum itself, but the vacuuming session that results in evidence that you can see. Tiny happy thing. Thank you, Jesus, that vacuums do their job and fulfill their intended purposes. May we do the same. And on that note, let's take a break and dive right in. All right, welcome back. And let's talk about money and specifically how we can set our money in the context of creating a rule of life for the purpose of being a part of global change and eliminating world poverty. (laughs) Now, of course, money is something that we have talked about extensively on the pod already. If you haven't listened to it thus far, I would encourage you to go back and listen to my previous episodes on the topic because, I mean, quite frankly, there's a lot to be said. And to help you reference them, in the Bible part one, which is episode four, I talk a lot about the love of money, which is a topic that the scriptures are just incredibly clear about. I mean, Matthew 6, 24 kind of summarizes it all, and it says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, 
other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I mean, it doesn't get much more clear than that. We cannot serve both God and money. And yet we do. We see it all the time. We see it all around us. We see it in our own lives. It is a matter of idolatry and thus it is a really big deal. And then in the Bible part four, which is episode seven, which I realize is a little confusing, but I talked about the tithe and we went through all of the reasons that Christians do not give. And as a recap, on average, Christians today are giving away only 25 to 2.9% of their incomes on average and only 10 to 25% of the average congregation tithes at all. And so essentially, the richest Christians who have ever walked the face of the earth, aka us, are on average keeping 97.1% of their incomes for themselves, with one in five Christians not giving anything at all. And this to me is, and remains, absolutely devastating. Because if every Christian alive today gave away just 10% of their incomes, there would be an additional 165 to $250 billion each year for the church to use and distribute. And the world could literally be changed in a thousand different ways with that kind of money. And so what does this look like from a global poverty standpoint? Well, it is estimated that ending extreme poverty would require $70 billion per year over a span of 10 years, which of course is a lot of money, but it is absolutely in the scope of what is possible for the followers of Jesus. Just for Christians to achieve within 10 years, it is absolutely possible, absolutely achievable, which should provide us both some hope and some motivation. And so when talking about putting action to our faith and being a practical and tangible part of ending extreme global poverty in the world, a really great place to start is our finances and setting a rule of life that aligns with both the heart of God and the commands of God when it comes to this huge, important topic. Because at the end of the day, we need to be people who give and people who are generous. And doing so, I think, begins with recognizing that our money and our possessions are actually either A, tools in the hand of God, or B, idols within our own grip and grasp. Because quite simply, if we do not ask God what we are to do with our money, then by definition, we are owners and not stewards which is not biblical. Now, of course, nobody is born financially smart or supernaturally generous, and therefore we need to invest the time and finances if necessary into learning the practical skills to get our money in order and set ourselves up for eternal success. And in my opinion, a great place to start is by taking Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University course or something similar because it is super important, super vital that we have a firm grasp on money management from a biblical perspective and not just the flawed counsel of the world around us. And can I just remind you that those two things are very, very different. And then we need to work through the steps of setting up a rule of life as it pertains to our finances. And as I mentioned last week, this begins with step one, which is taking an audit. Because before we can know what our capacity is to give, 
we need to know how much we actually have. We need to know the exact numbers of our earning, our spending, our assets, and our debt. Because believe it or not, most people living in the United States have over $2 million passed through their hands in their working life. $2 million. And so I encourage you to set aside some time depending on your circumstances. This might be half a day or a weekend or a week. Um, and use this time to take a thorough audit of your finances. You need to take stock of your entire working life and compare how much you have earned within your lifetime and how much you have to show for it today. Look through all of your financials, including your credit cards, your bank statements, bank accounts, investments, and see exactly where your money is going and has gone for the entirety of your working life. Take an audit and if you don't do it already, monitor your habits for a week or a month, writing down where your money is going and in what amounts. And remember, this is just step one of the rule of life. So this is not about changing your habits at this point, but simply being observant of them because it's imperative that we understand exactly where our money is going before we can realign it with what is most important in our lives. And part of this audit process is asking and answering the question, what do I or we, for those of you who are married or have families, realistically need to live on? Then once you know what money you have and the amount that you need, you can move on to seeing what room you actually have to give or how you need to readjust your spending in order to create that room, that margin to give. Because the equation really is as simple as income minus necessary expenses equals room for giving. And of course, as an overarching rule, you should keep enough money to care for the basic needs of yourself and your family, but not so much that it distracts you from the work of God and your dependence upon him. Then once the audit stage is done, you can move on to step two, which is setting a rule of life. And of course, I encourage you to pray. Pray and ask the Lord about this one specifically. What is the specific dollar amount or number or percentage that he is asking you specifically to give? Of course, giving 10% a tithe is a great first step for many people, but I encourage you to actually dream bigger than that and ask the Lord, truly ask the Lord. For example, what would it look like for your family to reverse tithe, to live on 10% of your income and give away the other 90%? I mean, what an incredible testimony that would be. What an incredible opportunity to sow into the kingdom of God and to make an incredible difference in this world. But no matter what amount you settle on with the Lord, we should all cultivate our lives in such a way that any excess that we have is viewed as an opportunity not to improve our standard of living, but our standard of giving. Proverbs chapter 30 verses 7 to 9 say this, Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And so the goal is to intentionally steer away from gluttony and envy 
while not going so far as to contribute itself to the problem of poverty. And a great place to start with that is by having a firm and established understanding of what is truly enough for you and your household. And choosing to live this way is also just a great rebellion against materialism and consumerism, which we have already talked about in great length. And we have recognized them as huge gods of our age. And so choosing to increase our standard of giving instead declares to the world that the accumulation of money and possessions is not the primary purpose of our lives. And so all of that to say, and at the absolute very least, we need to make sure that we have a set smart budget that ensures that we are living below our means, meeting our responsibilities and giving generously, intelligently and consistently. And then here's the fun part, in my opinion. Once you know how much you have to give away, we get to give it away. We get to be a part of sowing into the work of the Lord all over the world. And so my encouragement to you is to do some research. And by that, I mean more than just a Google search research. Research Christian ministries and organizations that provide holistic and empowering care for the global poor. Learn what it means to say no to every opportunity that is presented to you so that you can say yes to the ones that you truly care about and believe in. And better yet, learn to hear the voice of God on this matter. And so when picking an organization to give to, I would highly encourage you to ask them some really good questions. Ask them to see their financials and if they don't readily provide them, call them. Ask them about their weaknesses as a ministry. Are they biblically sound? I would encourage you to take a critical look at their statement of faith and ask the questions that are important to you. Do they pray? Do they seek the direction of the Lord? Do they change course accordingly? Or are they more concerned about programs and policies and outcomes? What is the sustainability of this ministry or this organization? Is it centered around one person or do they have oversight? What happens when something goes wrong? Do they have a succession plan? Where does the donated money actually go? How much is going to administration and to oversight and how much actually is going to empower those who are in need? Does this organization disclose their staff salaries? And if not, why not? What are the long-term goals? Are they dependent on outside funds? And if so, why is that the case? Are they doing something unique or are they working and partnering with other organizations to achieve a common goal? What is that goal? What kind of accountability do they have? Do they undertake financial audits? Are they under the guide or umbrella of a different organization or a larger oversight? I would ask them to describe their commitment to the whole gospel, both in word and in deed. Are the people that they are helping having both their physical and their spiritual needs met? Are people not only hearing the gospel, but also being baptized, being discipled, being trained up and sent out into the world? Is this ministry operating in the context of relationship? Is it community-led? Is it self-sustainable? And I know that is probably an incredibly overwhelming long list of questions, but for many of the reasons that we have outlined over the weeks, specifically the problems that often come with aid and giving, 
I think it is actually imperative that we dig deep into the questions of sustainable, dignified help to make sure that our giving is actually helping the poor and that our giving truly is sowing into the work of the Lord. If you do not have time to invest into creating trusted relationships with the global poor yourself, then I highly, highly, highly encourage you to give your money to a ministry or ministries that do. Additionally, all of the research shows that people who have set up automatic or systematic giving give away far more than those that simply respond in the particular moment or when they feel inspired to do so. And so I highly encourage you also to take the time to research ministries in areas that you are passionate about and then give systematically, automatically and consistently to them. And of course, there's tons of grace in this. I mean, you are never going to find a perfect ministry or a perfect charitable organization because, I mean, we live in a broken human world and everyone cannot do everything correctly. However, there are some organizations that are much better than others at keeping the first things the first things. And I think that it is our responsibility to steward our resources, not only generously, which is very important, but also intelligently. Because the the point then is not simply to give our money away, but to do so in a way that truly invests into God's work and his kingdom within the nations and within our own communities. And so I find it personally a really good rule of thumb to give along the same template by which you are paid. And so if you are paid each week, give each week. If you are paid each month, give each month. And this to me is not only a symbolic first fruits kind of gesture, but it also removes the temptation we have to quote unquote forget. And so give systematically and intentionally. And then as an extra step on top of this, I would also encourage you to invest into your investment. And what do I mean by that? Well, most ministries or organizations, they have blogs and websites and social media accounts and podcasts and newsletters and events that you can attend. And so I encourage you to actually do those things. Stay connected, stay involved, read the things, re-inspire yourself, be all in. Because when we give, not just within our means, but beyond our means in a way that actually requires sacrifice from us, we are actually partnering with God himself. Jesus is the absolute embodiment of sacrificial giving and he is both our lord and our king and therefore our example it does not make any human sense to give our money away but our allegiance is not to our human culture and therefore we need to reorient our lives away from financial planning from the worldly sense and into eternal planning from a biblical sense And so if you have a heart for the poor, then your treasure should indicate that. And if you want to have a heart for the poor, then a great place to start is by giving. And a great way to align your giving with the kingdom of God is to set a rule of life because it gives it structure and practicality. And so to summarize, we need to set a rule of life and a great place for us to start doing that is with our finances. And so the steps for our finances are as follows. Number one, take an audit. Ask and answer the following questions. What are your assets, debts, and earnings? 
How much have you made in your lifetime? What do you spend your money on? Daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly. And how much money, if any, do you currently give away? To whom? Step number two is to set a rule. What financial practices and philosophies make up your current rule of life? And what kind of person are you becoming because of them? What financial and giving practices would you like to add, cut out, or change? Step three is to test it for a month or two. And then step four is to refine and commit to it. And so that is all for today's episode. Hopefully it made sense and was super logical and helpful. All about setting a rule of life with our finances in order to be people who give biblically. Join us for next week's episode, which is our final podcast episode, which is crazy. It will be the fourth part of our series, our What to Do About It series, in which we are talking about setting up a rule of life in the context of money today, and then next week, possessions, time, and living lifestyles of justice. And so until then, have a wonderful week, and I will see you guys next Tuesday. Bye. Thank you.